welcome to Love Alexi. My name is Alexi Wasser. I am your host, and this is my podcast. And my guest today is Sarah Benincasa. So, Sarah Benincasa is a comedian and an author, and she's written like a million books. She's written Real Artists Have Day Jobs, DC Trip, Great, Agora Fabulous, Dispatches from My Bedroom, as well as a book called Tim Kane Is Your Nice Dad. And right now, you can pick up her book. Real artists have day jobs for only a dollar ninety nine. A dollar ninety nine on Kindle and iBooks and Google Play for a dollar ninety nine until April tenth. That's uh, so yeah. That that promotion just started yesterday. Uh, who knows when you're listening to this? But let's just imagine uh, it started yesterday. And uh, I'm excited for you to go on that journey, searching for something. Anyway, so Sarah and I go on a tangential journey of a romp. I had never met her before in person. We were internet friends, and then we got to have a an awesome girl date doing this podcast, and it was so, ugh, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited. I, I nearly fainted and spit up. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, I'm just very enthusiastic. So back to what I was saying, Sarah and I talk about a million different things. We talk about mental health, makeup, suicide, nails, being women with major internet, uh, with a major internet presence, and then being judged for that when you're dating. We talk about marriage, kids, depression, uh, we definitely have an intense Anthony Bourdain aside towards the end of this podcast, uh, which is very important because that guy is a mega babe. Anyway, we talk about Thelma and Louise, fuck boys, relationship PTSD, your internet persona versus the real you. We talk about navigating how much you share about your personal life online and in your work. We talk antidepressants, older men, and just so much more. I will shut the fuck up so you can eventually actually listen to the real actual conversation between the two of us um but i would like to say for anything and everything else sarah benincasa go to sarahbenincasa.com and there is no h in her name sarah all right how dare you um you should definitely follow her on instagram and twitter at sarah j benincasa you can follow me if you'd like i think that'd be really cool if you did uh, on instagram and twitter and snapchat and facebook and all of that stuff at alexi wasser if you like this podcast, listen, I've said it before, I'll say it again, I don't care how desperate I sound, because I fucking mean this. If you like the Love Alexi podcast, uh, I would love it if you would subscribe on iTunes, rate the show, tell all your friends, every barista at every Starbucks, you know, whoever will listen, tell them about the podcast if you like it, for the love of God. Uh, you can always send emails to the show, send those to dearlovealexi at gmail.com, and I'm actually going to dedicate an entire episode to reading all of your emails. So I'm, I'm being serious now, okay? I'm, I'm being fierce and serious. This is me at my most, at my fiercest, most serious, trying to collect all, all the emails uh, from you guys out there, whoever's listening out there in the ether, all right? So if you're hearing me and you have any desire or have had any desire ever to send me an email, now is the time because I'm, I'm taking it to a new level. I've decided that since I never read the emails on actual shows when I interview someone, I'm going to dedicate an entire episode to your emails, which could be fun, I think. So send those emails to dearlovealexi at gmail.com. Questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, feelings, anything you're thinking or feeling and want to tell me, I will be your friend. I can serve as your big sister, your girlfriend. Whatever it is you need me to be, I will be that, maybe. I mean, let's have some boundaries. Who the fuck do you think you are? I mean, let's just I mean, be kind, okay? As long as you're nice and it's not weird. Okay. I have a few things I want to mention um, real quick. 
totally pivoting from everything I've just been talking about, but about 10 days ago, I did a phone interview with a, uh, a director named Fern Perlstein about a documentary she made called The Last Laugh, but the sound quality, she's in New York, I'm in LA, the sound quality of the interview was so bad that I can't post it. It would just be ridiculous because you would not be able to understand what we're talking about. So I, so the least I can do, and I really wanted to make sure that, that I do this, is to tell you and get the word out about her documentary. It's called The Last Laugh, uh, and what Fern does is she interviews and uh, talks to comics, actors, filmmakers, and, con- and concentration camp survivors, um, and, they dis- and they discuss the, ram- the ramifications and the ethical dilemmas of using the Holocaust as a topic of humor. And, uh, so, you know, I watched it. It's a really lovely documentary and, you know, you, there are moments, you know, there are moments where you're tearing up and you're laugh, but then you're laughing and it's, it's, it's amazing. And all the people she, she talked to, it's an incredible group of people. She talks to Sarah Silverman, David Cross, Mel Brooks, Larry Charles, Susie Essman, Judy Gold, so many more incredible people and actual Holocaust survivors. It's just very intense uh you know just talking about like where you draw the line with stand-up comedy or or humor in general when it comes to such a an intensely serious touchy subject and anyway so support that movie definitely check it out i wish i could have played the actual interview i did with her um but it's in theaters and it's available on video on demand or just google it why don't you we're all capable of that google the last laugh for more info and If you're going to be in Los Angeles on Saturday, April 8th, from noon to 5 p.m., I'm going to put on a pop-up clothing shop. I did one last month with a bunch of my girlfriends, and it was super fun, and I'm going to do it again. And the other girls who are going to be selling their clothes are Brittany Furlon, Penelope Gazin, Chantal Claret, Nora Kirkpatrick, who knows who else. Um, I'll have more details on that to come, but it's April 8th. Pencil it in if you're going to be in Los Angeles. Last time, it was like the super fun party like a big girly gab fest shopping party situation. It was like a daytime slumber party vibe, if you will, of like girls shopping, buying amazing clothes, having a blast, gossiping about feelings and life and career stuff and love stuff. It was just like, it was amazing. It was very cathartic. So it's, it was a, a real nice time is what I'm saying. Uh, and I'm going to be teasing stuff that I'm going to be selling on my Instagram stories. So definitely check that out if you are. And I'm 5'11". With a size 11 foot. So if you're a woman out there who's 5'11 and you're going to be in Los Angeles on April 8th, know that you might uh, like a lot of the stuff I'm getting rid of. All right? Anyway, enough of that. I'm going to shut the fuck up so you can enjoy my conversation with comedian, author, and overall badass babe inspiration, Sarah Benincasa. Now entering Nerdist.com. This is so great. Up and up here? It's been like a couple years since I've actually been up here. Maybe here or here? I always like to. I like you here because I can look at your yeah. beautiful face. Let's look at each other. Yeah, let's just like feel like we're on our first you date. Look stunning. Oh, whatever. No Thank you. God, you look great. Thank Jesus you. Christ. I got. I changed out of my. Uh, I I performed at this theater called the Dirty South Improv Theater in in North Carolina. Yeah. So I it's a, I like the T-shirt, but I changed out of it. I was like, I'm I'm getting dressed up. I'm oh going my on God. a. I really was like, I'm going. I'm going out. I'm hanging out with Alexi. Wow. This is really cool. Like I, I want to put on makeup. 
makeup and stuff. Oh my god, you wore red <laughs> lipstick. I, I put on mascara for you. That's I, a I, big yeah. one for That's, me. Oh. I was one time I was trying to Is your water. Oh, thank you. I was um, talking to. I was, it was like some dude who I felt like I kept getting dressed up for. So I was like. I'm, I'm going to go really wild, and I'm going to see if he really likes me, and I just wore mascara, yeah. and it was, like, the wildest experience to do that. I'm not a huge makeup person, but, you know, to kind of take it down a notch, but I still you still need that so people can see your eyes. Yeah, I feel naked <laughs> without mascara. Or I think, or I think I think a clean face, like a clean foundation, or, like, clean oh, totally. skin, and then no mascara, no eye makeup, and then a bold lip. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put on a tinted moisturizer. Oh, you will? Holy I won't do it. I didn't do it today. Oh, we both have nude nails. This is something I'm fucking with more recently. I usually have my nails done, but now I'm like really into like no nail polish on my nails. But then I have gels on my toes. I think it's I actually have my toes done too. They're not gels right now, but Because we're not freaks, people. Right. Okay. We're like we're like we're women. All right. And we give a shit. I think it's health I mean, I think it's it's healthy. You do need a break. You uh, need a break. My please, my grandma was a nail tech. Let me she tell you was? some stories. She, she was? was Yeah. My my mom's mom um owned a salon in New Jersey. She was a single mom. Yeah. Well this was before she was a single mom. She was a businesswoman. She didn't get married till she was thirty five, which was wild in the fifties. Yeah. In the little Italian Catholic I like town crying i'm like i don't know if it's ever gonna happen for me no i also feel the same way i'm kind of like huh. Oh. and then she got married and i think my mom was born when she was 38 but she gave up the salon to become a housewife and i don't think she wanted to do that really yeah i don't think that was in her plan and then they got divorced and then she was a single mom back at work was she happier um no i think she would have been happier if she grew up now and got to be a, like a boss bitch lady. I think that's who she was supposed to be. Yeah. And she was for a few years. And I think that's why she held out so long getting married. Yeah. In this like little Italian town. Oh. Italian American town. Oh God. It's <laughs> making me think all these thoughts and feelings. Yeah. I don't know. Do you want to get married and have kids? I want to get married. Um, oh, we get so serious. I, I know. <laughs> We're like, oh, for sure. Oh, I'm totally fine. <laughs> I do want to get I I want to get married. Yeah, I don't know if I need to have. I like kids a lot. Actually, I like them more as I get older. Me too. Um, I just yeah, I really enjoy them now. I so I used to be a school teacher, um, but I taught adolescents, and I still love that age group, which is great. And that's why I think, and I feel like I might be at the right age for it now. Um, thirty six. So I feel like I might be a killer stepmom. My oh, mom yeah. said that to me. My mom didn't. My mom said to me. Um, and my friends were laughing. So they were like, was she insulting you? I was like, no, it was a compliment. She said, I think you'd make a really great stepmom. And I, I said, why? And she said, will you just take direction really well from women? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, you'd be taking direction from the other mom? Like, like I'd be like, well, she she meant and then she sort of was expanding on it. She meant that I would stay in my lane, that I could be a good, nurturing, loving and caring presence but that I would not overstep boundaries yeah. and that I would recognize that I didn't bring these kids into this world and that my job is to be a good adult presence but not to, like, take over or, you know, anything. Like, like I think she felt I would respect boundaries appropriately but be, like, also I would be cool, you know, if they inevitably fucked up. I'd yeah. be like, all right, we're going to manage this now. Yeah, I like being, like, a cool pretend big sister to all these, yeah. like, teenage friends or my friend's kids or whatever like yeah or, I love like, or that. a cool aunt or something where it's like yeah you can tell me about this stuff are you drinking at that party like you can tell me i'm cool like, <laughs> i get it just like listen if you're gonna have sex like and you need somebody to buy you condoms like just don't be if you can't talk to your mom about it 
let me step in. That's how I feel. You know too. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. like, I got it. I have a I have friends who have a younger sister who is 17. And it's really nice to get to talk to her. And one thing I said to her, which I said to them as well, like they know that I said this. I was like, I said to her, you can tell me any opinions you have or thoughts or feelings, and I will never share them with your sisters yeah. who are my age. I said, if you're in danger, I'm going to tell them. Yeah. And I'm going to do that because that's what an adult does. Yeah. But if you're just mad at them or you want to say things, I'm not, this is on lock. I'm, and I'm not going to tell you what they say about you. Like you, so, and that's kind of the, the barrier. I mean, when you're a teacher, you're in loco parentis, which means um, you're in the place of the parent for during the school day. Oh, yeah. So that means that you're a mandatory reporter in the state. So I worked in the state of New Mexico and in the state of New York as a, as an educa- educator. So um, you are basically allowed – the kids can pretty much tell you anything, but if you're worried they're going to hurt themselves or somebody else yeah. or they're being hurt, you are obligated. And and there are other mandatory reporters too, like uh, doctors, nurses. Or it's not my, my therapist. Like if I told my therapist I was going right. to hurt myself or right. somebody, I have to do something. Right. He would have to if, – if he was worried enough, he might yeah. like – he might call, you know, it's this is a, a judge's call, but if you were like 5150, right? What's that? Um, that is when you, the state of California determines through a judge that you are a danger to you, yourself, or other people. Oh. But not necessarily, 5150 doesn't carry with it a criminal thing. So I think it's more often, I don't know the law exactly, it's more often like if they were worried you were going to hurt yourself and what? you needed to be in there for like a 48 hour hold. It's weird. When I started seeing my therapist like years and years and years ago, and I'm not really seeing him now, like I'll dip in and out if I'm having like a check crisis. Too yeah. yeah. Or I'll just be like, or I'll find myself in a bizarro situation, which happened like a month ago where I was like, I oh want, my God. <laughs> I don't, I don't want you to say it on air, but I am curious. I mean, I, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm just out of a relationship and I have PTSD from it. And I'm, and mm-hmm. I'm actually, I'm consciously making the, the decision to not go into details, not to fucking... Uh, talk about it on the podcast because it's Understood. too close to home and I want to but it's because like I'm getting all these emails from girls being like you're not sharing enough about your personal life on the podcast and it's like I just I need like a buffer it's like but because I just of came out of this oh my god I just yeah. wait but I'm usually such an open book so I feel like it's like this weird betrayal to myself to but I'm realizing also as an adult when you put yourself out on the internet you have to like yeah I have to I'm, I guess I'm like starting to be an adult in my brain where I'm like I'm gonna set boundaries because it's in my best interest to like not go towards the drama because if I start talking about it, I mean, I know I'm like talk- I'm talking around it right now, but anyway, you don't owe, but- <laughs> you don't owe it to anybody. I mean, none of your listeners want who, to. who care, but I want. Like your listeners are invested because they care and because you're personable and because they care about you, but also because you're entertaining and you're also not until they meet you and know you as a friend. They they're just getting this. So like. You don't – I don't think anyone – most people recognize there's no expectation that you owe somebody, everybody, and all the tales. Yeah. But it does – when you're ready, it'll come out. I mean, I just remembered the last time I was here, I did Dave Ross's podcast and I talked about getting hit. And I had never talked about getting, getting hit by getting a guy. Getting hit by a guy. And I had never – it just – as you were saying that, I just – my face just – I realized – I mean, I'm listening. But th- this was where I talked about it and I had never talked about it in public. I didn't plan to talk about it. It had – like two years had passed. A lot of people in my life didn't know about two it. Two years. That's a nice buffer. That's, was, that's, no, two years was a great buffer from yeah. getting hit Holy in the face by, by a dude. Um, and so two years had passed. I forget if I said that. I, I think as and I was talking to Dave, I came in here to talk about panic attacks on terrified. And Dave was like, what do you want to talk about? And I was like, uh, I don't remember how I said it. It's archived on Nerdist. Um, but uh, he he I don't know how I said it, but I was just like, well, one time I got hit in the face. <laughs> it just came out. Yeah, it really just came out. Yeah. And I'm sure that you like me as a performer 
are a reasonably controlled person with how what you put in the world. And so I was really surprised that it just came out. And I could have backed off it and been like, I don't want to talk about it. But I talked about it with Dave and uh, it was probably the most – I mean that was probably the most honest I think I've ever – one of the most honest things I've ever done in public I think. Yeah. So don't – but if I had tried to do it right after it happened – Like a week after you had last sh- seen him. Yeah. And I'm not saying this is what happened at all. But I'm saying like if you have trauma related to it, which you do, it will come out when it needs to. And it will come out in exactly the right way. It's like I do want to talk around it. But it's funny. Yeah. Like the other day I actually – and I haven't seen him in a week or whatever because I accidentally ran into him. But like, Ugh. and I just, it's just funny. That I, I, the, 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 I'm going to zoom out and talk around it because I have, I want to a little bit. The thing that I'm grappling with is like, you know, I didn't get hit. I didn't get, but, uh, but mentally it was weird that I, I, I was in, I'm, I dated somebody and, and I just feel so misunderstood because we're both operating under a completely different reality where it's mm-hmm. like, he just didn't get me. And I hate, it's such a horrible thing to like, to try something on with someone have it not work out and and he thinks I'm this person that I'm not and do you think he made up a personality for you that happened to me once recently yeah and I know that he listens to the podcast and I don't want to I'm just it's uh I'm just gonna I should just stop talking about it that's but, okay, okay but uh, about but, it. but it's but it's unfortunate yeah and I but I am uh it's just weird. And I mean, you also just... need to give your feelings time to unfold because the thing is sometimes somebody feels like a hero one day, a villain the next, and as time goes on, it settles out and you see it in context, but you can't see it in context if you're right close to it. It's like a map. If you're really if I'm if I zoom in on Google Maps, on like that earth thing and I'm just looking at the top of Meltdown Comics. Yeah. That's all I see. If I zoom out a little bit, I'm like there's Chibo and then I yeah. zoom out a little more and I'm like I could send a package well, over oh, there. Well, I've been zooming in and out uh, like nonstop and it'll get, you know, and also I I'm, I was telling my mom I'm like I'm like, oh, because if the major goal is to walk away from drama, then I shouldn't like try to go towards it even by talking about it. I, no, I, that's and, right. And so I'm like, but uh but another thing that's weird is, and this has happened to me in a, in a few uh, dating situations, but sometimes I just get really disappointed in myself um, afterwards because I didn't listen to my intuition. Like there would be moments where I you know, knew I, had, I should like we should break up or, or something and then I wouldn't. And then afterwards I go, fuck, Alexi, listen to your gut. Like, and it's more that I'm disappointed in myself because I, I didn't just trust my gut, but whatever. And also I'm just trying to remember – Everybody's doing the best they can. Yeah, we he was, are. You know, all, all my exes, including this last guy, are all, you know, they're, they're, they've got good qualities and they're nice people and you just try things on for size and it doesn't work out and you hope to be graceful as you get away from it. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, oh, with the therapist, I remember when I started seeing who I'm not seeing now, but I ducked into a month ago. When I first started seeing him, like maybe six years ago, he has a thing where he makes his patients sign like a like a, an I won't commit suicide contract. Have mm-hmm. you ever seen those? Um, I've seen ones where, well, what I have seen is that um, I've seen releases that release the therapist um, that gives the where I'm giving the therapist the ability to share that I'm acknowledging that I know that by law, um, in engaging in this relationship, I'm giving them the authority yeah. to report if they fear I will hurt myself or someone else, or if I report a crime that was committed in the past 
that um, falls under a certain rubric. Like there's that. Yeah. I've never had somebody be be like, don't you know? I'm not going to kill myself. Don't do anything. it. Yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> All right. Which is here. funny because I mean I've been you know I've been suicidal. I've never tried Have to commit suicide, but I've been suicidal in my life. That's why my my first book is a memoir called Agora Fabulous, and that was about one of that. Your, one of your fifty books that we yeah. have to talk about. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> it was about being agoraphobic. It was and... about being agoraphobic and and um and leading to suicide. But it's funny, I promise. But yeah. um, well, not leading to suicide, but certainly wanting to commit suicide, and that's something that's come up for me throughout my. My, my adult life at different times and and been managed in different ways but like um so that's something i've talked about with therapists quite a, quite extensively and uh but i've never had like that i think it's a neat idea to have that contract oh i thought, I thought you meant oh, suicide no. <laughs> i was like you know what the problem is it is a neat idea it is a pretty and neat i grapple idea. with it too it's very compelling because life is fucking hard exactly but then i always like to say when i i always try to like make a joke because i've been very dark and i have tried to kill myself when i was like 16 i swallowed like 300 pills not to give you guys out there a how-to <laughs> oh god but i and i was in a coma for two weeks Jesus. And, I, and i didn't die and so now when i i'm like oh i'll never get to that point again but even now like you know uh, I'm in my 30s. I'm living well, and it's like fucking life is tough, and it's so weird when you, when you get in those zones where you're like, God, it's fucking hard. It'd be so easy just to like check out. This is exhausting, and then yeah. I've got to remember, well, if I'm this low, I got nothing to fucking lose, and it's actually like empowering to be such That's at a such cool a low point. Yeah, if you're if you're at such a low point, you're suicidal. Just keep going. Eat that piece of pizza you were too, uh, yeah. you know, worried to eat. Get a, get a churro, why don't you? Rob, rob someone. Fucking do it up. You're going to kill yourself anyway. Yeah, like just keep doing keep doing the cool shit that you that yeah. you won't get to do when you're dead. Totally. And if you, if you do that long enough, like I think a lot of times, uh, my aunt is a psychoanalyst and she told me, like she did like the Freudian training and stuff. And one time she said to me that sometimes, not for all the time, but sometimes suicide is the desire to commit suicide is, of course, a desire for relief. And we think of it as a depressed reaction. But sometimes it's an anxiety reaction because we're so uncomfortable in our own skin. And so that's why sometimes for people who are suicidal, um, modes of self-distraction can be very effective. And that's why, to speak to your point, like we're we're joking, but we're also not joking. Because if what you need to do is eat a churro, watch some bullshit TV, spend too much money, like... Ordinarily, I wouldn't encourage shit that's bad for you. But if you're doing indulgent things and it's distracting you from that urge, you may wake up in 24 hours or 48 hours or in a week and be like, I mean, for me and go, I haven't thought about killing myself in a minute. Like for me, whenever it's been really bad, what always gets me back is, um, you know, therapy and all that stuff. And but consistent um, distraction interspersed with the guided introspection because at that point me just sitting on a cliffside meditating is not going to work yeah that's like what i shouldn't be doing i yeah. should be talking to like you in this well, so like, or something is, like that is that when you write books because is that why you've written like a hundred books i you know what? you're always in the doing it seemed like is, is that to distract get out of your own way and be like i'm gonna channel all my fucking yeah. weirdness into this some shit. of it is some of it is and some of it is to keep my mind busy and some of it honestly and maybe you'll relate to this alexi is that uh, and you were so so much younger i think when 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 you wanted to die i think that when you like gaze into the abyss and truly consider it and take steps to make that happen as you did as a kid like you it's almost um i feel from it i was i was suicidal when i was 21 that was the worst time it's popped up again when i was 23 and when i was 31 
but um and and intermittently recently but uh not in a bad way not in a, no, that's not ridiculous the bad kind of suicide not the bad, like the, the cool kind of the real cool kind you write an album and then you wear a, ja- a denim jacket and you think about things that's like the cool the cool kid kind a swoosh of eyeliner why not <laughs> oh, yeah. i said to my therapist i was like you know if it's a day where i like don't want to kill myself that's pretty solid and she was like yes it is Sarah. <laughs> yes that is but like when you've looked into that abyss and deeply considered it and and tried to go there even um i feel like it it makes me realize in a way uh, that i don't know how much time i have like i'm not gonna end it by my own hand probably but no no definitely not here sign the contract i'm writing i'm drafting my own like don't suicide contract (laughs) i'm definitely not going to i made a promise myself when i was 21 i was like i can't you can't so now that we're starting to feel better here's the thing we're like never going to do that so you have to figure out how to make this shit work but the truth is we don't know i mean i have a friend who just said two emergency surgeries in a week she's fine but it made her contemplate shit it made her get a fuck boy out of her life like literally from her almost deathbed i mean not her deathbed but you know in the middle of she texts this dude and is like no i can't do this anymore like yeah. nope can't do it and he was like why not and she's like oh because i'm in the hospital and he like didn't care so and then she's like that's why because you don't care that I'm in the hospital yeah. because you want to talk about bullshit and cheating and garbage and no and like it's not the same as having it visited upon you by a disease of that kind, but depression, these things, they're, it's, an, it's an illness. And I just feel like it makes me want to make the most of the time that I have, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Why are you like, why is, is like our suicidal thoughts or like depression? Why do they, why have they been popping up? Like what happens? Oh, I've been and lonely. Uh, the past year, I decided lonely. to be single. Oh, and, tell me about on purpose. You are. Oh, I did that too. <laughs> Isn't it weird? I mean, it's no, so it's better weird. now that I'm single again after my five week excursion. I am so happy to be oh, alone. I had a three week excursion into dating some dude who was absolutely the wrong dude. Really? Who just like snapped? It was so weird. He snapped. He was not like not in a violent way, but he was like so into me, like super duper into me, and then was we were we were um we were going to like take a uh, we were going we were both going to travel for a time and we had this talk about how we would take time apart and we had gone really hard and that's not sustainable so like you know very adult conversation so i wrote him an email to follow up and i was like hey i'm so glad we had that conversation that was so sensible you're right like i'm really glad because if and i used the metaphor of like a rose bush i was like you know if you over prone a rose bush is beautiful you're so happy you have it if you over prune it it's not going to grow so we need to like back off and i think it's great and he sent me a text that was like i talked to him about it. i was like hey what happened because i didn't hear from him i was like uh and he was like look i've sent that email i know what that email is and i was i was like what like i'm a lot oh. of things alexi i'm not passive aggressive yeah so i was like what? me too and he goes he was like you were just trying to get my attention i've done that too and i was like what i was agreeing with you oh my god and he was and then he started coming up with these different reasons that he was talking about like i could tell when you said that that you really wanted my attention and i could tell when you said that you were you were just being passive aggressive and i was so confused because i was just being direct like i asked him i asked him for a referral to um like a particular kind of cafe i wanted to visit and he has a favorite one and he was like um he was like, well, I know you were just trying to get you were just trying to get me to recommend to you that you should come to the one that I'm at all the time. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. What? Are we dating the same person? Isn't that funny when, <laughs> when you think you're being completely yourself and you mean what you say and then and 
and then somebody tells you who you are and you're like, I'm not that person. That's why I said, I said, to, that's, why that's I said the worst you. feeling in the world. I was like, did you make up a personality for me? Is this just how you, I said, I'm sorry. I'm who? truly sorry if women have treated you this way. Who are they seeing you as? But also. You're not that person. I think like sorry. what happened. No, exactly. No, no. I'm exactly. like having a real reaction to that. No, I experienced yeah, that. I, I was so. I think that he saw me because I think that he was like, oh, she's cute and quirky and funny and smart. And she I I think he was like a little bit. This is going to sound fucked up. I think he was. I don't know if you want to use the word fanboy exactly because I like fanboys. I'm a fangirl. I don't want to use it in a derogatory manner, but I think that he saw a, a created curated persona on Instagram and on Twitter and on whatever and maybe like read half of a thing that I wrote half of a thing, he read yeah. like a couple of chapters of a book or something and decided that was who I was in completion and then really liked me and got really into me and then I think when I proved to be a human flipped out and switched and was like I know you're being passive aggressive I was like he he made up I don't know he must have have a lot of weird problems with women because he was talking to me like um like I was some kind of stereotype you know like I was trying to control him I was like I would say, like, literally, I said to him, I'm so glad we're spending some time apart. This is so healthy. I'm glad we talked about this. And he was like, I know you really just want me to come closer. I was like, what? But that's the thing. I dated somebody who I met on, who approached me on social media. What a dummy. I didn't know. I I, I was the dummy. I didn't do the research. And I, maybe I kind of made up a personality for him too, which is that I thought he was normal. Oh my God. Well, I run into different things and I I want to talk about, you know, social media personas or having like because you know both of us have like we put ourselves out there online and like i used to have a blog that i updated and a podcast whatever like and you're like super funny and you're also this is going to sound like i'm sexually harassing you but you're like a very beautiful person oh my god don't and so (laughs) so i feel like like i was watching a video of you the other day i know we're stunning it's hard it's great but i was watching this video on instagram that popped up that was like you like in black and white like walking on the beach and you look like this french film star that was that was ridiculous my friend who i met oh yeah uh, Brittany furlan she made that video she's it's great she's another person i've had on the show that i become all my friends are just people i talk to on my podcast it's how you but, get to uh, know people it's true. i get it and so i went with her and she was like we have to make this video and i was like oh my god get away from me but then i posted it because it uh, was great it was beautiful I didn't mind it. Yeah. and you look like this it's like a you look like this 1960s you know like you're gonna go date serge Gainsbourg or something like you look at like this beautiful I, creature I on the beach and so somebody could look at that and just make up their whole world around it and then approach you be conceivably approach you in a really personable fun way and could like have made up this personality for you and not really want to see you and not really want to know you. Well, that's one angle of a problem that can exist because there's that. There's like the person who likes your internet persona and thinks they know you even though they don't and then you meet them in real life and then you have to kind of grapple with like, no, this is who I am. Like I'm all of it, but like that's this and that's mm-hmm. highlight. That's like, a part of it. And it's like a hyperbolic or like or it's a persona, whatever thing. But then I also have met people in real life who don't know anything about like my Instagram presence or Twitter or blogs or, or this podcast or yeah or this podcast or YouTube videos or whatever things I've made that exist out there and then they Google me and then they're like oh shit and then they have a, an opinion about it. so then they meet the real me and then they because that's something that happened with me also with a guy I dated where he's like oh. Okay, let me come to terms with all this stuff, and then and then he decided that all this stuff was the same: the podcast, the blog, the all the it was all lumped into one thing. Even though to me they're all very different things or various extensions of myself, but it's like, and then that seemed judged, and that was a lot for the guy to grapple with. And it's just like, I don't know, it's so weird because it's like, does somebody meet your internet persona first? Do they meet the real you first? Can they handle both? 
And it's just so weird now being at this point where it's like we're far enough like from the, there's distance on our like Facebook accounts where it's like so mm-hmm. many or stuff we've made where it's like maybe it's we're 10 years out from oh my shit. god yeah there's and videos then, i look at now and I'm you're like, like oh shit Christ. you're like should i take that down oh no i don't want to have to it won't really affect me but then other people are like when they google you like that's the video they'll watch of you if they google you and they're like fuck that misrepresents me or like i know who i am can't the other person understand who i really am i making any sense you're it's making just, total sense like, to me it's it's it's, it's, it's such like a confusing if, thing it's like if 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 we chose other careers if somebody <laughs> in a sense if somebody like went and looked at things we wrote in high our high school poetry, what a nightmare! Oh no! Like if somebody, I mean, some of my YouTube videos <laughs> That's all my from blog ten was. years yeah. ago, I'm like, fuck! Oh, like uh-oh. I look at it and I'm like, I mean, I could take it down, but sometimes it involves other people who worked hard on it, and I'm like, do I have to contact them? So I, but there are some things that I'm very proud of that I love, but they have to be seen in context. And there are certain things that people look at that context. I'm like, context does that exist anymore? I don't know. Okay, you can just look. You can pull it up and you can go. Oh God, she's dumb, or she's not that smart, or even God. I, I look for at, me, it's like she's a slut, or she's like fucked up. But who cares? Who cares? I have like, had sex cares? with lots of people. Yeah, I've had dated. sex with lots of people Fuck too. You, it's guys. great. Like yeah. it's a good who thing. Cares? And or they could also look at us talking about mental health stuff, and if and or whatever it may be that that trips them up, like. It is weird. It's a weird thing to have this legacy of material that's out there that's accessible and that it's not like someone can go and look at our old motion pictures, but they can look at things we wrote that and and filmed and listened to that are us. Yeah. It's an extension of us. And it's yeah, it is weird but to have we, that. Do we judge men as hard as like women who are like bold on the Internet? No, <laughs> like, no, we do not. We don't. That's true. No. I, I'll meet a guy. I'll like. Look at everything he's made, and he could do, he could have had sex with a million different people, made the craziest shit like art wise or whatever, or whatever his deal is, and I'll just be like, he's so neat. Yeah, I'll I be really like, like him. So charming. Oh, yeah, I'm like, oh my god, I'm in. Like you're as, so cute. Oh a, my god. And it's just not. Yeah, it's just anyway. It just, is there? There's a definite double standard. I feel like I, I don't know. I just joined. Um, internet dating i haven't internet you just dated. joined internet I dating i haven't internet dated since 2009 so because i was just in relationships or trying to get in relationships sincerely from when i was 15 to 35 really so then last year i was like this there's a pattern happening here and i need to stop it so i stopped it i broke up with at the time my girlfriend and uh, mostly i've dated men but uh, at oh my this god time, i love I you this is, i had no idea this is great oh it's my god fun, it's a fun tale it's a fun fun tale but i <laughs> broke i broke up with her and i was just like i it that wasn't working for either one of us so i think that was a good thing i'm sure she would agree but like so i broke up with her and then was like i'm gonna be single on purpose i'm not gonna be celibate because that's crazy but like i well for me it's it bananas for other people it's a fine choice so but i was like i'm going to not try to date so when was this this was last March. This was last okay, end of March. It was okay. really a year ago. And so during that time, like uh, at one point, I, I lasted like seven, six, not not even that long, five months and tried to date a friend of like a decade. And we dated for about six weeks. And yeah. then we both were like, this isn't working. Um, so I was like, cool. And then I took, a f- again, a few months was not. And then, you know, somebody approached me in this very sweet way online. And I was like, oh, cute. And oh, ki- ah. and then that's the person I dated for three weeks that finally I was weirdo. like, yeah. you know, he was, he, that's the thing. He wasn't annoying. I really he, liked him. He was 
delightful. Of course, they're good things. The last guy I dated was like the sweetheart took me out to dinner. Was like we, we made out. Was complimentary. Like, of course, they're good things. That's what gets you. Oh my gosh, in he's so like, cute and fun and, and great to hang out with. Funny like, and special. I yeah, would recommend. Of I would recommend this dude as a friend to people as a casual friend. I don't know how he. I don't a want good his friendship. <laughs> okay, I don't want your old dude's friendship. Fuck oh, that dude. Anyway, sorry. No, but 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 I would. But as far as dating, I'm like I don't know what happened. Like he just went. I was like, Jesus. I mean, what I think happened probably, uh, if we dismiss the idea that this person is just bananas, I don't think he really is, but just, I think he just, uh, freaked himself out. Because I think sometimes he, I think he went through the looking glass. You know, he went through whatever. When I, I mean, imagine somebody that you look at all the time on Instagram and you think they're so great, and then you go through the looking glass and you like pull them through and you try to go on a date with them, and it works at first, but then you get a whole person. I think he got a whole person. He's like, no, I was thanks. like, what? I'm like, no, I'm not just <laughs> artfully posed with reasonably good lighting, oh like my God. like pointing at something, waking up quirky face like yeah, that's not what's happening with a good caption though with a good a great ca- caption. solid caption yes. uh, worked on yeah but you know i mean i i'm sure but i'm sure you face the same thing like being people project things onto you and i, I call it fomus because i feel like if i was famous i would be rich but that's not true either i have many famous friends who are not rich yeah but i call it fomus which is that where i'm at which is that like and you've done so much more on camera stuff than i have but Fuck off. as going. a like as a writer like as a writer um, I'm not famous, but I'm FOMUS, meaning that there are lots of people who I've never met and who never will meet, who know who I am and who know some things about my life. And so that can lead to this false feeling of, um, I appreciate Intimacy. when they relate to it, but, but yes, most people understand as I do, if I read something by like, I don't know, some famous writer, um, um, I don't, or any writer, I don't think I know them, but I know a part of them and yeah. I might respond to it and kind of, and have a crush on them, but I know I don't really know them. But there are some people for whom that line gets blurred and they think they know us because they've read something we wrote or mm. they've seen something and they know a part of us, just like you said. Yeah. It's like a piece of the pie, but you don't know the whole pie. There's a lot more going on here. Yeah. Well, so you dated this guy for three weeks. I you did. You dip your toe he back. He was real cute. And real I was cute. like, ah. Yeah. But so, uh, so anyway, so then I got out of that and I've just had a series of things recently where um, I feel like uh, it's been a lot of men crying not because i made them feel bad but because they like i've bond i tend to i think bond closely with people and i'm trying to figure out how to not do that as much oh i love doing that going real hard real fast real hard intense. in the paint and then you just like and oh. then you just die i just had to read i read codependent no more as i was getting out I of this thing book. oh my god listen <laughs> you gotta read it like oh my god because because i realized like i think my favorite kind of love is codependent love because it's like oh i love you it's like so intense because i like intensity and i'm like i want i like that or you like gravitate towards the person immediately and you feel like it's like high school teenage magic. You're like, I need you so much. Yeah. And it's <sighs> like, it's like us against the world because that feels so exciting and like the pheromone or whatever, the oxy, no, whatever. Yeah, the oxytocin is firing in us. It's like we had a baby. It's amazing. And then I'm like, oh, wait, like, can I have that but also have it be healthy where it's like. Anyway, so I'm, I'm reading Codependent No More. I listen to I have to listen to it on uh, audio Audible because that's how I read all my books. But uh, I love that. you've never read it. You no, might, you I, I have it. it, and I was like, I'm going to ignore this, but I need to read it, and the, I ignored it because I need to read it. But my vision of what when I was younger, my uh, I was referred to a social worker when I was 14 because I was having so many panic attacks, and my high school was like, this kid is really struggling, like uh, she needs help, and thank God I had this great 
counselor, Pat Wissy, if you're listening, you're awesome. Oh, man. Uh, but uh, so she referred my parents to a social worker who was awesome. And one thing I remember that social worker asking me along that was like, Sarah, what's your what's like your what's your idea of an ideal relationship when you're a grown up, when you're an adult? She wouldn't have said grown up. She would have said adult. She talked to me like an adult, which yeah. is awesome. And she was like, what, what's your idea? And I was like, I think it's two people. My vision was like two people, almost like little kids with an arm around each other with a with an umbrella and it's raining, but it's raining coming at their face. So they have the umbrella positioned to like block the wind. And that's them, which in theory is beautiful. But it also says that lo- it, it speaks to a philosophy of an eighth grader having that like life is shit and in pain and you have to just cling to this person yeah. all the time and that's the only thing that's going to help you get through and I don't see it that way anymore because they're going to save you or something you're like going to save person. each other you're going to save you're each other you're going to be codependent yeah. and I don't see it that way anymore I want somebody who I think I'm walking next to not even holding hands with all the time because sometimes we have to look at shit and do stuff and but somebody has an umbrella and I probably have like a snack pack in case someone has like a low blood sugar moment but it's like an almond and an apricot and it's all organic and like we're just fucking having a healthy time yeah and like maybe hanging out with their kids from their previous relationship apparently I know I just want it to be easy I want to I want to be laughing I don't want to have to explain why I need to go home and go to sleep or work Mm -hmm. or I don't have to explain myself. I want to be, I don't want to have to defend. I don't want to be asked about my past. I don't want to have to defend my past. I don't want to have to defend who I am. I want to like accept the person, accept, have him accept me and just be laughing and have it be easy and no fighting. And you deserve that. And the, but so. And somebody else wants the same thing too. And you will fight sometimes, but it'll be good and it'll move you forward. And you're never going to feel scared by a fight. Like you might get really fucking angry, but. It's that's going to happen for you. It's just going to be, you know, I I think my dad, I was talking to somebody recently and we were talking about the concept of soulmates. And I said to my my dad's been with my mom since they were 17. They're still together. They are still together. They are. And my dad said, you know, I believe he's like, your mom is my soulmate. But I believe that every person is capable of finding multiple soulmates. And he was like, "Uh, she's the person I'm with. I'm going to be with. But I know he told me she's told me they both said to each other if something happens to them, they want them the other one to go on and get married again and fall in love again. Yeah. And um, I, I, you know, they uh, and that but that was always part of sort of my life philosophy was that there's not just the one there are many. And potentials and you find who's right for you and vice versa. That's where the magic happens is yeah. where you find each other and you both decide and then you keep making that decision every day to be together. I think that is magical. Oh, yeah. But I also think it is really fucking healthy to get divorced if you need to. Yeah. Get out of it. If you're not – it's not just about casually leaving when something sucks. But if something fundamentally becomes not right – like I think that's a wonderful choice. It's yeah. it's horrible. I've seen it up close and it's heartbreaking. But like, it I've not lived it. Thank God. But like, and you know, people bounce back. <sighs> and you will you will after this breakup. But you it sounds like you you like me have had experiences in the past of bonding so closely with somebody and then realizing you don't really know each other. You don't. Oh yeah, I was talking about this with my friend about about uh, how. You can love everyone. Like, I can fall in love very easily and be like, I have love for everyone. But do I like someone? 
and I feel like this last person, like we've just, we, he doesn't like me, and I don't, I don't know if I like him or I wanted to like him, but anyway. Can I say but, how funny uh, it is to just turn to the right and see like Hardwick and Jonah just sort of staring while wearing as cartoons, as cartoons with with just buff. like very affirmatively staring at us, yeah, just really like like Jonah's probably thinking about indie rock right oh now. Oh my god, there are guardian angels, but he's like really affirmatively staring, and Chris is thinking I need to be on a plane in two seconds to go host one of eighteen shows. I know I've got twenty podcasts to host. <laughs> I'll be there. I Kelly, I'm coming. Oh, I'm, I'll be there. Wait, so what? Okay, so what are all these books you've written? Yeah, you have a oh, writing yeah. a screenplay. Like we're yeah. writing a script for a thing. Diablo Cody's involved in something. Oh, she's so rad. What? Tell me all this stuff. And like, and also, oh God, we how did we even meet though? By the way, we so I first internet? heard your name in, uh, when I was at Sirius XM in like 2008 or 2009 what? in like a press release of some kind about um about your blog, maybe about like. Um, about like a show you were developing or something like that. So okay. I had a, I hosted a show called Get in Bed, which was about love and sex. And oh. I was like in a series of like sexless relationships. You so were? pretty much. I'm, uh, so I was in a series of weird relationships in my 20s. And so, um, some of which were lovely and wonderful. But like, so at different times, I like, I'd, sometimes I had long term boyfriends, other times I didn't and was just, or so it was, anyway. So I was, I wasn't a sex expert. I was just a sex talker. Me neither. So I'm a sex, sex talker. I'm too. totally a sex talker. Yeah. So, I think it was that, and then we definitely have friends in common, for yeah. sure. Um, but I think that's it. And then, of course, you were in uh, Justin and Julian's uh, wedding video, which is amazing. Oh! Which I know- saw on the interwebs and loved, with James, yeah. who I've known since we have the same birthday, James Kirkland. Oh, you I. do? We've known each other since we were 18. You had Emerson. I did, for oh my two God. years, and then I dropped out, because oh I God. wanted to kill myself. Oh, but man. But before then, I made some great friends. Oh, my God. So all those are Emerson kids. Wait, Basilone is my good friend from Emerson. Really? Um, oh, my God, I was going to text him. Lively. That, that I was going to uh, text Steve. He's been on the show also. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you were coming on. God damn it. Yeah, yeah. You, he's a, We're, like, very distantly related. By marriage, not by blood, but we're very distantly related because his family, that name is he we share a common ancestor of sorts who was a World War II hero. What? True story. Oh, my God. Ask him about John Baslow. I will. Ask him and Larry, his dad. Don't think I won't. Oh, I forgot Larry. (laughs) Larry's so handsome. My um, Larry's a stunning man, I feel like. And my uh, I I should just marry Steve. Yeah. No. Bone structure. Honestly, alone. Your kids would be stunning. so beautiful, right? Listen, this is why I came here to talk to you. Okay, cool. Let's talk about bone structure. The bone structure of your children would be like, it would just be like, you would just give birth to a giant cheekbone. Oh my God. Sentient, glowing. It's about time. And everyone would want to fuck it. I think we're ready for that. keep it in a tower. <laughs> <That's> a society. <laughs> Kanye West no, wrote he, a song about our cheekbone baby. Oh, totally. Be I don't beautiful. know why well, my brother, Because it's an amazing thing to You're say. You're right, true. My brother, so John Baslone was from, the war here was from Raritan, New Jersey, which is where my brother lives. And they live right next to Baslone Park. So I grew up with like Bazalone statues everywhere and Bazalone this. That's, that's so part I, of Steve's family? That his yeah. park? So, well, he, I don't he's, think he's ever been there. He's royalty? He's royalty. I got to marry him. In New Jersey. And so I looked, well, that's why we became friends because I looked in the Facebook, like a physical Facebook, not Facebook.com, which didn't exist okay. yet because Mark Zuckerberg was a freshman at Harvard oh, at wow. this time, I think. And so um, we were across the water at Emerson, not having done as well in school. Oh, wow. And um, there was a physical thing that was called the freshman Facebook. You yeah. looked at faces and I saw his name and I was like, holy shit. And I think I called and like left him a message or something on his like school voicemail. And I was like, hi, are we related? Um, so oh, we are like distantly, very distantly, like through marriage, have like a common famous relative who's dead 
war hero, dead war hero. Well, moving on from that boring moving story. Moving on from that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no, no. Well, no right. um, so, I don't mean to story shame you. No, 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 no I'm just kidding. But no, I, but I want. Oh, yeah, sorry. What so, were you gonna say? oh, uh, oh, well, so books, right? So my first book was called Agora Fabulous Dispatches from My Bedroom, and that came out in 2012. <laughs> and then the next one was called Great, which I call Teen Lesbo Gatsby. Teen <laughs> Lesbo Gatsby. And in Brazil, for your Brazilian listeners, it's called <gasps> Incrível, and it's uh, <gasps> so that came out in the U.S. The U.S. was 2014. It's about two teenage girls they fall in love or is it lust it's very much inspired by Gatsby but it's set in modern times in the Hamptons so it's like this teen lesbo Gatsby yeah. so um, so that was here in 2014 and I think in 2015 in in Brazil and then in um, and then wait, so then 2015 DC Trip was a novel which was my third book and I just adapted that as a screenplay I just handed in the polish oh my god and then my fourth book was called real artists have day jobs and other awesome things they don't teach you in school and that came out in 2016 that's humor essays and advice based in like having fucked up a lot of things and then um and then I did uh for charity uh, to donate half to charity I did a self-published thing political humor thing last year called Tim Kaine is your nice dad which is my only bestseller ever because it was I sold it for like a dollar 99 on Amazon and oh. it became a humor bestseller <laughs> And so, of course, that's the one where I said I would donate half to charity, which I did. God um, damn it. I know. I was like, ah. But um, so so those are my books. And then I'm writing another one. I have an audio book. Agora Fabulous is an audio book. And you Audible. read it? You read it? I did. I, I love it, it. When, the, when the author reads their own book because it makes me feel cozier and closer I, to the I love author. it, too. And it's an amazing experience. You're reading my memoir with my friend Keith. My audio Audible engineer is now um, Keith Reynolds, who runs a company called Spoke. Uh, spoke media now out of Dallas but we became very close friends because we, you're just there for three days and you're reading for five to six hours and you take breaks but like um, you know he was hearing about me uh, being suicidal and, and being afraid to leave my house and, and breaking down and being afraid to leave my room and uh, things like um, I was like peeing in uh, in bowls instead of using the bathroom really I was so I had starved myself so much because I realized that if I ate food I had energy and I would be awake and I didn't want to be awake so I was I was down I don't remember what my weight was but I was down so 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 skinny unhealthy skinny you're not thinking right skinny and you don't have to be that skinny to be to be uh, having a starving brain um so uh my brain wasn't getting food and i was sleeping all the time and um i really margaret cho once said something like about like the first thing you lose on a diet is brain cells or something like that i'm misquoting her unfortunately she's amazing but um so i was really uh there was a lot of like kind of ocd adjacent stuff happening there was almost um not quite auditory hallucinations but or visions but definitely i was really um, it was beyond it had gone beyond like major depressive disorder into a really dark place. And so very agoraphobic. So, yeah, I was afraid to go to the bathroom, except for pooping. I would still go to the bathroom. You, for that. You're like, no, let's get serious. I was yeah. like, I was like, I do want to kill myself. I'm super going to do it at some point. And I was already. Yeah. But I was like, but I can't not shit in the toilet. That's disgusting. Oh my God. When was this? 2001. 2001. Uh, so I was I was 20. I talked I went on Steve's podcast and talked about it. And he like had some memories of that time, which was really interesting to me because my memories of that time are very um are very you know strange um because i i my brain just wasn't working right so it wasn't holding on to all of it but um yeah so so that time in my life was bananas i eventually finished school and then went and did americorps in the southwest and then got a master's degree in teaching at columbia teachers college very creatively named and that's when i started doing stand-up and I developed a one-woman show called Agora Fabulous, which led to the first book. And then there was Great. And then there was DC Trip. And then there was um, uh, Tim Kate is Your Nice Dad. And I'm writing a new one 
I don't know what it's going to be called. It's going to be about a sorority. I don't really know anything else about it, but I have a contract that I will fulfill and it will be delightful. But um, so I recorded. Uh, so DC Trip is also an audiobook, And that's like that's fun. What is that's that about? Wacky hijinks. Yeah. It's about a 23 year old hippie high school teacher. Who could that have been modeled on? And she's a social studies teacher and she has a crush on this much sterner, older boy who is also a teacher. And they get thrown together as chaperones after having a very awkward first meeting where they got drunk at Chili's and at a faculty mixer. <laughs> and they definitely hooked up afterwards. And she gave him a hand job that ends in a terrible way. In the movie, in the screenplay, it's a it's a blow job. Because we were like, R, why not? But yeah. um in the in the book it's a hand job. And they they have to take these kids. They get thrown together like eight months later. They've avoided each other. And the principal puts them together as chaperones and they take these wacky teens down to D.C. It's called D.C. Drip for a reason. And um, so but then it's, so it's about Alicia, who's the lead, you know, the, the main character. But then it's also about the girls whose names are Gertie, Sivan and Rachel. And they are best friends and they're 16. And so it's really fun. And that was a really fun book to write. How do you how do you have all these like internal kind of your you go through darkness, you've been suicidal You've been agoraphobic. It's all these kind of like uh, internal. I mean, I, I I can relate, but I can't relate to as much. But like, but I to see you to hear you tell me about like what you've gone through in- internally, but then also to hear about all the work you you churn out. You just fucking make so many things. How how did you do that? I think I have a lot. Of, I have a lot of support, and I have I have access to great healthcare because of privilege, is what I would say. I, you know, I have a family that could afford to send me to shrinks when they needed to. And that's not to discount my hard work, my work ethic, my talent, all those things. But I have support in the form – I had support. I have emotional support now. I had support in the form of people who got me the care that I needed. And that cannot – I cannot discount, you know, that at all. So, like it's not just triumph for the human spirit here. Like I had a lot of help. So what was the support? Like what did you – why were you feeling the way you were feeling and then – and then uh, what did the support uh, – how did that get you out of your – Well, I grew up in I'm, – I'm from a family without, of course, disclosing anyone else's issues. I, I'm from a family – I'm the, in the fourth generation in my family that I know of um, to have uh, been treated for mental health issues. So that means there's people in my generation, uh, my parents' generation, my grandparents, and my great-grandparents. Um, I had a, a, a great-grandfather who died institutionalized in New Jersey in a, an institution that has since been shut down. Um, but, uh, so, so this is something for which I am genetically loaded Yeah. as, as a doctor once told me, and it was such a relief because it didn't mean that I blamed my parents or my grandparents or my great grandparents generations. I didn't blame anybody because it was just, this is okay. So some of it was, some of it is nature and some of it was nurture. It really was a combination of the two and Thank God I didn't grow up in a physically abusive household. I grew up with always knowing my parents would be there. I grew up very lucky in so many ways. Um, So it's a combination, I would say, of nature and nurture. But I was for sure loaded, especially from my dad's side. That whole side of the family definitely has dealt with a lot of anxiety. And I'm very open about it, which is really nice. And then my mom's side has, has other issues. I would say there's probably more depression. But then I think about it, it's both. I mean... On both sides, it, it was a, it's a double whammy in that I got so many gifts, like a lot of love and a lot of encouragement with writing always. And and then there was just that. Yeah, it's not really analogous to a family with like the BRCA gene. That's something that can kill you, right? Um, and it's 
and and, and you don't have any those are the breast cancer genes. So oh, like God. some you'll hear about some people who have um, oh, yeah. a, a preventive mastectomy and things like that. So it, it's it's not. I don't want to make that analysis that analogy because I don't think it's fair. I I would compare it to diabetes actually uh, to a family that is inclined to type 1 diabetes on both sides. So you have an awareness of it. So at least having the awareness of it goes, okay, I can navigate life not <clears> – excuse me. Ooh, sorry, everybody. Excuse me for that. That's okay. <laughs> no, I'm like all – I'm like, ugh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is a game changer to be like, okay, this is what we're dealing with as opposed to what's yeah. going on. I feel – and you don't you know. have to feel – I my parents worked really hard to make sure I didn't feel shame about it. And that was awesome. You know, I got really lucky. I mean I have my issues with both of them, trust me. But the fact that I never was made to feel like it was my fault or I was shameful is like huge. Are you on antidepressants? I yeah. was. I was for uh, – from when I was 16 to when I was 35. And 16 then, to 35. So last year – I've actually never talked about this in public. Um, last year I tapered off it slowly with the help of a psychiatrist. What were you on? Effexor? Uh, no, I was on Prozac and I had been on Abilify, um, which is an atypical antipsychotic that at low doses is not used for schizophrenia or bipolar – but at low, low, low doses is used to boost an SSRI. Because okay. people talk about something called the Prozac poop out, which is that if you take Prozac long enough, it may be for a lot of people, not for some people, it starts to not be as strong anymore. Kind of makes sense. And I'm sure if I read the science of it, I'd understand better. But it's like, I think of it as like, you know, if you have two cups of coffee a day for long enough, you're going to want a third cup. And eventually maybe coffee's not really going to affect you so much. Yeah. So it doesn't work in the same way, of course. But it's so, like Adderall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I am... Um, you know, Prozac was great for me, um, and but I came after a time, after years of stability and feeling pretty well, I was like, there have been times when I tried to go off it myself without checking in with somebody, which is a terrible idea, and I always crashed. And this time I talked to my shrink and was like, what if we tried slowly? She was like, yes, yeah. so we tried as slowly as you could. Abilify I had gone off of because I was on much longer than I needed to be, and experienced side effects including like just weight gain that I felt fine about because I was it was helping me be alive and then I began to read about some of some other side effects that can be negative especially for someone who like me um comes from a family that tends to have issues in real life with with type 2 diabetes and I was looking at some things about how you process sugar and look I'm not a doctor so I don't want to freak anybody out I just kind of looked at it and was like well maybe I could and I tapered off that super slowly because that can be a fucking abilify that can be awful to taper off of. yeah so we went real slow and I did very well thank god because we went so slow like painstakingly slow Prozac was different that's in and out of your system like differently so um so we did well with it, and what I have found is that I get, um, I feel anger more and more easily, not in an uncontrollable rage way. I just, I never, I always just pretended I wasn't angry, and now sometimes I raise my voice slightly, and it's very exciting. It's very exciting. Oh, my psychologist is very excited. She's like, oh, you said you weren't happy, and you said it in a slightly raised voice? I'm like, yeah, girl, I and, did. And that's because you're off all, you're off an antidepressant. Well, it's it's that. I started feeling it more, and then I was like, what do I do with this? Um, and then I decided to work with, with that emotion. And yeah. so there's that. I also cry more often and more easily. But again, it's not irrational. I don't feel out of control. I can deal with the embarrassment of choking up at a commercial or yeah. in a conversation. Uh, I also come harder. It's great. You do? I do. Oh, this is great. And I didn't have <laughs> right, perk a up. problem. <laughs> I didn't have a problem with orgasms. Like, thank God. A lot of people do with SSRIs. Is I that more didn't. men, do you think? Or because they have to get a hard on? Or I've heard that. Yeah. I've okay. heard that that can be like more of an issue sometimes for guys. Um, but for me, like, it was never a problem. And then I went off it and I was like, I'm single. 
um, let's try this out. And I was like, this is great. I was like, let me just fuck my friends and see how this works. Yeah. And they were like, we are down. And it was, (laughs) yeah, uh, but it was, it was, um, yeah, it's great. So it's, so it's been good for me, but I'm always open to going back on it. And I still have like Xanax on an as needed basis. Really? Mm -hmm. If if just if I need it, I, I take it maybe like, uh, I take like probably 0.5 milligrams, probably three times a year. I've never taken a Xanax before. Let me tell you, delightful. Doctors don't like to give it out because it is very addictive. Really? Yes. What does and it make I, you feel like? Uh, it just chills you out so fast. It does? You feel a drop. Like you feel, you feel. So Whoa. when I have my, at the height of a panic attack, like well, a roller coaster drop. No, where you're just, like in well, your body, where it, you're like, if you took a ton of it, probably. But okay. like when, so when I have a panic attack, if I take a Xanax, um, it brings me back down to normal. If I don't, have, I've tried it when I wasn't having a panic attack and i was just like well this is great i'm social doubt you guys and so people love it but it doesn't get you high it like relaxes you so much so i understand why a lot of doctors don't want to prescribe it because it can be a a problem yeah um for me you know it's not a problem kids used to try and buy it for me in college i was like no i earned this are you kidding yeah oh god well so what what made you want to get off antidepressants altogether? You just didn't want to be I wanted to, to see if I could. Yeah. You know, I'm very... My dad works in the pharmaceutical industry. I'm not an anti-pharma person. I'm a... I definitely believe in a complementary medicine approach. So, yeah. like, if you can take me, give me some acupuncture, teach me some yoga, we'll do some meditation on my headspace. Yeah. I'm going to take an SSRI. I'm going to go to Planned Parenthood. Shout out to Planned Parenthood. I'm going to get my shit checked. And then maybe also like, yeah, I'll chart my mucus and try to do natural family planning. But you know what? I'm going to get knocked up and then I'm going to take Plan B and go back on real birth control. Like that's been my adventure in life. So I'm not anti, you know, pills at all. Like unless, of course, something is is bad for you. And And then I am anti you taking that thing. Yeah. Um, But. You know, it's been, I don't know, it's been, uh, it's been helpful to me. I mean, it helped me live. It saved my life. It saved your life. But so did my parents and so did my shrinks. How do you, what is your work schedule like? Like, how do you, you generate so much stuff. Like, it's so inspiring. Like, <laughs> and, and like, how do you, like, what does a typical day look like for you? When do you wake up in the morning? How long do you write for? Do you ever take Adderall to write? No, I never have. I took, um, my brother is a nurse. And one time um, I took an Adderall to help me. I don't know. I just want to see what it was like. So I yeah. took it. And my brother checked in with me. I didn't get it from him, by the way. That sounds so weird. So but, your uh, brother's an Adderall dealer, is what you're saying? Adderall, yeah. Shout out to he your nurse, Adderall dealing brother. <laughs> nurse Jackie. No, no. Just I, kidding. I got it. And I was like, Steve, because my brother was a psych nurse for a time. So I was like, I'm going to take it and ask Steve what he thinks. And so I took it and he was like, how is it? Are you?" He's like, you're going to get real organized and you're going to feel like jazzed and you're going to just really focus on something. And I took it and because I took it and I told him and he was like, oh, you shouldn't take that if you're not prescribed. I was like, shut up, nerd. No, and so, so I took it. And then he checked in with me and I was like, um, am I supposed to have, like feel something? Cause I just kind of feel real like normal. And what? like, uh, he was like, what do you mean by normal? I was like, well, you know, you know, sometimes I have trouble like keeping focused on stuff. So I do a lot of stuff. And he was like, yeah, I was like, I feel like I could focus on like two things and, um, I feel pretty chill right now. And he was like, dude, you should probably go get like evaluated for ADD. Yeah. He was like, who, he was like the, what you're describing is like the ideal patient who takes this appropriately as prescribed and oh i was like God. i was like really i was so disappointed all my friends were like what's wrong with you how I was much like, did you take uh 
I guess I took whatever somebody with it. I don't know. Yeah. What, I yeah. took a pill. I, t- I take it once a year and then because I'm like, oh, this will really help me with my writing. But then I have to – but I'm like terrified of it because I used to do speed when I was like a teenager. So you don't so, want to get – you so don't, I don't get addicted. I don't want to get addicted. So I'll take it like once a year and I'll like get a pill from a friend and then I'll like split it in four and I'll, I'll be like, oh my god, I'm doing it. This is crazy. And then I'll just end up swiffering my apartment. and like, Which is great. Which is great. But like the goal would be is to write. But So I really have to f- – I have to focus – I have to focus my focus and be like, you're not swiffering. Like, take it and then have the computer open. But it's like, it's too too scary. So I take it like once a year and then never again. I think I'm maybe supposed to take it. And oh I, my God. I feel like my agents who have to like sometimes yank me towards the finish line with deadlines. Oh, really? Would probably agree. Um, I, I just felt, I was like, uh, it was like, I had a much worse experience taking a Kardashian endorsed diet pill as an experiment. What was that pill? I don't remember, but I did a thing for a website <laughs> where I was like, I'm going to try and be a Kardashian for a week. I love this. So I didn't like that. So I got like a, uh, like I got like a spray tan and I straightened my hair and I bought some stuff from their JCPenney line. And this sounds like a dream. Like teeth whitening stuff. What? And like all my friends wanted to fuck me suddenly. Really? Like all my raised in New York and New Jersey, like Guido comic friends. I love yes. Guidos. I love Guido. No, they loved it. They all were like, oh my God, my friend was like, what's up? Why do you look hot? And I was oh like, oh my God. Thank you. No, all my like nerdy, like sort of self loathing, neurotic, <gasps> like eventually very successful in television, like Jewish comedy writer friends were deeply confused and scared. But the Guidos were like, fuck yeah. Like, what? Ben and Kaza, what? And oh I was like, my never God. mind. But um, it was a real cultural shift. But, and got like all this makeup done and like fake eyelashes, which I still love. I love getting my lashes done. But I will always love that. But, um, and then the pill, I the took diet? the diet pill and I was like, I felt like garbage. I had a panic attack. I threw up. My parents, I was in my parents' house in Jersey and they were like, listen. I was like 31. They were like, young lady, you are not going to take whatever those Kardashians are selling. I don't care. The diet pills. It was just some, I mean, that's what they do, right? They speed you up. You piss a bunch. You lose some fake weight for a minute. Who was endorsing that? Chloe, Kim? I think it was the whole, the whole squad. The whole, the this would have been like 20011. 2011, not 00. I was oh, just God. like, this seems great. So the moral of the story is that I respond very well to most apparently prescription medication. Prozac was great. Abilify worked fine. Xanax is great. But not the Kardashian diet pill. But not the Kardashian diet pill. Oh, wait. So so what is your daily routine like? You wake oh, up in the morning I wake when? Up You're getting si- so much shit I done. I wake up at 6.30 and want to die. 6.30 a.m.? Yes. I So <sighs> I I consult with a... I, I work... I do digital copywriting. Um, and my the people I work with are on an East Coast schedule. So that means I'm working on their schedule. So usually I'm working like um, 7 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. And then after that, I take a break. When I was finishing my rewrite on the screenplay for DC Trip, I would take a break for about an hour and then jump in. And that was crazy. That was hard. Um, but now I'm so thrilled because in the past week, I've ended at 3.30. Or if for some reason, like if I have a doctor's appointment or something during the workday, Excuse me. I um, you know, my work's really important to me, and so I will um, you know, make it up. So I'll work later in the day too, because I don't want to shortchange like my employer who I work hard for. And I really that's a that's a cool that's a, I won't I don't like talk about it that much, but that um, I did write a book called Real Artists Have Day Jobs. And, Real artists have day jobs, and the, is what she said. And the reason that I I and I really love that job, and it's a really different kind of writing because it's not my creative writing. I'm writing in the service of a nonprofit goal, and it's I I really enjoy it a lot, and I get to work with a team, which I miss. But anyway. So then I flip and like now I get to see friends and it's really 
cool and like have feelings and stuff that like because when I'm so busy all the time, I just put off having feelings. So I've been having a lot of feelings in the past week or so. Wait, what do you mean? Because you're not doing that job anymore? No. Well, I'm doing my so I'm doing my day job. Okay. But now it's not like I just go 7 a.m. to 3.30, take an hour to and then go for another five hours working on something. Cause for I, your own personal stuff. Right, because I handed in the, the big job. So now I'm like, oh, feelings, look at this. And that's why I think I've made like men cry over the past few weeks because like I've had room in my life to sit down with, with like gentlemen and just be like, how are you doing? And then have like deeply bond and then weep. It's great. So there's been a lot of crying with men oh my featuring God. Sarah Benigaz, which should be a podcast. Wait, who is Who are the guys that you're making cry? And wait, so you have the, the free time because you've handed in yes. all your drafts. So, so you're I'm personal, working two jobs right now. So I'm working one job. So you've got the, the day job that's not your 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 personal work. You right. do that and now you, you don't have to have your, your second half of the day. Right. I'm just like, Ooh. oh, until so, I get notes back and then I do. Oh, okay. But, so, but, but right now, so what a well, powerhouse you are. Okay, so who are you making cry and why and who um, are these new guys you're dating? What? Well, I'm not dating them. I think two of them were my friends who I just had very deep emotional conversations with that we had like never gotten to have. So they both cried about having emotions and I was like well this is a new level of friendship are we just are we deeper friends now or are we in love let's figure this out and when you're trying to figure that out with is like Steve Baslon no <laughs> tell me everything Steve, I wonder if I've cried in front of Steve <laughs> if I haven't cried in front of Steve no I'm sure I have I don't I think I've cried in I don't front think of him he too he has cried in front of me let's call him right let's now call, hello Steve, <laughs> hey, Steve. how's Duncan how are things it's great have we cried? In front we of talked about Great. him on the Gabby Dunn episode, and now this episode. How funny! <laughs> I never thought Steve Aslan would be getting so many shout outs <laughs> on my podcast. I just, yeah, no, he's a he's a top notch, uh, thumbs up person who I would recommend to all people, unless you're a sociopath, then fuck off, then go fuck yourself. But yeah, I know he's someone who I recommend highly um, to date, marry, love, befriend. Have casual sex with him. Don't be weird about it. Hire him. Um, go camping oh with him. Oh, my God. Maybe commit crimes with him. Wait, so what? Who, but are you on this new dating app? You said you're getting back oh, on the dating oh, app. Oh, yeah, yeah. So then, I made, so I had deep emotional connections with a few guy friends who then wept. And I was like, this is fun. Let's make um, more guys cry. Like, Let's just make, I'm, I'm getting on an app. guys cry. We're having great. <laughs> I was just like, I see you and know you. And then, we, and then everyone cries and it's great. And then you're like, what do we do with these feelings? Still figuring that one out. Yeah. But um, no, I, uh, so I, I joined an app because. Which one? Um, okay, Cupid. Okay, Cupid. Because a bunch of friends were like, Sarah, you need to stop. Okay, first of all, Sarah, you were a serial monogamist. Then you just were like single, except that you seriously tried to date two people. That's not real single. Oh, God. And <laughs> like, then like everyone who is attracted to you is like otherwise attached, which you don't like, or they're like 25 and a dude. And that's hot for like a minute to like 70 minutes and then it's like you're like okay so they're like you need to meet people who do you want to meet and I'm like I think I would be great I was talking to my friend Jack Moore shout out Jack Moore you're great um, everybody watch Dear White People coming soon from Netflix oh. so like uh, which he wrote on um, he writes on 18 things okay so okay. I, Jack was like you, everyone you know is married or partnered or like you need to like, like what do you come on like what's the and I was like I feel like I would do really well and I like thought this was the most weird thing to say and he was like this is so normal he was like I, I was like I feel like I would do really well with like a dad maybe or just a guy who's been married before and he's like in his 40s maybe he's in his maybe he's 50 I don't care 
And like he's probably been married before and he's made some mistakes and figured some shit out. And he knows who he is and he's like secure in his career. It doesn't mean he's rich. He's just like, you know, he loves what he does. Yeah. And like, I don't give a shit. Are his kids five? Are they 15? Are they 20? Are they my age? I don't know why they would be. But whatever. Did he have them when he was 11? Like, I don't give a shit. And I was like, uh, and I just kind of want to have fun with that person and just go hiking and go on adventures and just, uh, I don't know, just have fun. And Jack was like, wait, you want to you wanna date a, a middle-aged guy who's like, uh, who's like settled in his career and feels like pretty good about that and might have kids and it doesn't bother you? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, do you know where we live? <laughs> yeah, they're everywhere, right? Aren't they all over the place? He was like, do you care? I was like, I don't care if it's like he's married two or three times. I don't give a shit. And he was like, do you understand where we live? How is this? Like, wh- how have you not put this into the world? Like, he's much nicer than that. But do that I was want the that motion. too? Can I steal that too? No, you can have that we, too. We, we both can have want like that. older yeah. husbands or boyfriends who are just like, I don't know. Let's just like, like maybe they've got a really cool, like maybe like they, they're like, let's go on a hike. And I'm like, oh, fine. Your second graders coming. That's awesome. I'll talk to them about geology. They're probably studying it. But I just don't want any, I don't want any, I don't want to be judged. I don't want any grief. I'm so sick of that. I'm so sick of being given grief by men about like what I do and all this stuff. And yeah, it's like, I don't want that. And so, yeah. So you got to deal with this as it is. Yes. Yeah, so I will always try to improve myself, but like, this is what it is. Yeah. This is what right it now. Is. So, which is pretty great, by may I just say, for both of us. Yeah. I mean, do you do you get judged because of all like do overall well, all the shit so, that you have I'm on the internet, sure. mental illness stuff, talking about that and being real, real and sexual, being like and body having image dated stuff too, body image for stuff, sure. Uh, yeah. having, having dated women, talking about sex openly because I've talked about sex openly a lot. Men, it's crazy to me that men don't. I just get judged so hard. I've been judged so hard. And it's well, shocking to me and I hate it and I'm done with that. This is the that. thing though also, Alexi. Because I accept men fully. You are specifically beautiful in, in like a fashion model way, All which people right. put a lot of judgment on. They do? I'm beautiful in a very accessible way. Like I could oh, be God. like- I can't believe do, we're having this conversation. Do you know how many guys I'm pretty sure have wanted to bone me because I look like whatever girl they loved at summer camp in the Catskills oh, in the 90s? God. It's very accessible. I bring on a very eighth grade feeling. They're like Marley Rose and Blad, I loved her. Oh and I'm my like, god! I'm like, well, I'm not Jewish, and they're like, this is great. I'm like, okay, you have a lot of self-loathing to deal with. This is like eight different guys in the past like two years so who have been into that. But you look like, uh, oh, what are we doing? Is it Mark Jacobs today? What? What's happening? Like, okay. And so people like put crazy shit on you. I swear, I mean seen, stuff, right? I'm, well, no, I've never seen it about you. I'm just saying what I see people talk about, like. When they see a girl who's like very like tall and slender and beautiful and photographs extremely well, people get crazy. And I know it sounds like I'm blowing smoke up your like ass. Like men but I'm not. get angry. I'm looking. I'm like looking at your bosom, winking at me. Stop flirting boost. with me, okay? <laughs> Wearing all red, to pop a color to get my attention. I rolled in. I was How like, How dare I like, you? I was like, I'm about to change your life. I know what you're doing, toying <laughs> with my emotions. Steve Baslone's going to perform on there. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> That's true. It's going to be great. You will officially. But like, sure. <laughs> um, but no, I think people, people do honestly like, and, and I have, I see the mean girl thing is not always perpetrated by girls. You Some men are mean girls towards me too. I think that I'm guessing if I had to guess it's that some guys manic pixie dream girl your ass and other guys are like, oh, like 
trophy wife your ass and that other guys see you for who you are and love you and would like die to listen to this and be like are like nervous right now listening or like do I text her do I email her do I I ask a friend of a friend I never like that guy though I always feel like that guy all the guys who do accept me I'm always like "Uh, but you're just my friend it's like I'm not excited who are you attracted to like who would excite you whether it's uh, healthy or not always very successful Mm -hmm. men who are masters at what they do with like genius brains who probably know better than to get they probably don't want. Do you date older? I would like, now I have questions on like 60 year old. I think you need to date older. I think you need to I, like really, because that's I, the kind of dude who can fucking handle you. I feel like younger men are great because they don't give a fuck about anything. Like if, I, if a younger man, a 25 year old, 26 year old, I mean, he's got his own problems, I'm sure, because he's like living on a couch and like a cesspool and like doesn't have a shit together and I want to go to a restaurant. And be <laughs> or like- even worse, he just got his first series and he's lost his mind. Oh, he's lost his guy. Oh, we're talking about <laughs> actors. I don't fuck with actors, but, but, oh my God, I just saw Thelma and Louise for the first time yesterday. I can't believe it took me so long. I've and never seen it. You have to see it. You have to see it. It I've was crazy. It. it was crazy that I had never watched it. You That's don't crazy. understand. I haven't, it. I haven't seen nine to five. I'm an asshole. I, I haven't seen 9 to 5 either. That's on my queue. I we can't watch believe 9 to 5 together. together. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I So I watched this, and then uh, this is a quick aside. So Steve, uh, Steve Bazelon. No. So Brad Pitt's character. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my God. Anyway, Freudian slip. Okay. Steve so, Pitt. <laughs> no. no. So Brad Pitt is in there, and I was like, oh, my God. This is like when he's his, his most nubile, dewy mm-hmm. Brad Pitt vibe. And I was like, holy shit, because I don't usually go for I usually like just brains. I don't like like fucking pieces of meat kind of men. You don't know. Except when you see Magic Mike. You know, I like. You don't necessarily have like the uh, it's not always a physical objectifying response, which is I like that response is very normal. But a lot of times it's more about like the personality. Yeah, I I will. I like I will date a potato sack if it can make me laugh. Well, yeah, if a guy can make me laugh, but I also like power, which is fucked up. No, I'm going to admit it. I like success and I like to be like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I just like very intense, smart, accomplished brains. You want to be able to admire someone. But the thing is, you're. You're powerful. You're smart. You're. If you were just some wilting flower who was like, I need someone else Save to give me a personality, me. that would be a problem. I think I have that in me too, though, wanting to be saved subconsciously, but now we're consciously putting attention but on you, it. But maybe if you want to, we all kind of want to be rescued. nurtured and rescued sometimes, but like you also have a lot of agency and power. Like you're, you're not somebody who's sitting around going, how can I look just ornamental for a gentleman? Like I don't want to make my own things. I want him to make the things for me. And that's not what you want. That's not at all. So I think it's a cool, you want somebody who makes you want to level up. Oh, here's what happens to me. I'll date the powerful guy and I'll be like, and then I'll realize because he's not as like amazing as I, as I, when I put him on the pedestal, like I'll put him on a pedestal and then I'll realize like, then I'll fall off the pedestal and I'll realize, fuck, I don't want to fuck this dude. I want to be this dude. Mm-hmm. And it's just me being a pussy, and I can say that because I'm a woman. It's my Correct. whatever. I affirm it. <laughs> but like, I, I swim up as close as I can to like greatness because it's my way of not trying to get the greatness for myself. It's like that's why I've dated amazing uh, musicians or directors because I like music and I like movies and all this stuff. But it's like, no, you want to play music, Alexi. You want to make a movie. Like, you know, it's like so. Anyway, but well, it's almost like, sometimes we pick people so that we can absorb certain qualities from them. Oh, that's true. It's, it's not that we're trying to oh, steal true. it. It's not stealing. But you're it's fascinated not stealing by someone's it. sunshine, but it's like, oh my gosh, I want. <laughs> like, I want to. I was talking to somebody on OKCupid today who uh, composes music. And oh, nice um, has a dog. And I, it's like, I would love both. I would love to be able to do both those things. Mm. You know, oftentimes we're attracted to things that we think are really cool. Well, that's actually a great point. You're so right. Of course. And I want to talk Makes about sense. movies and music with somebody I date because that fascinates me. So I wouldn't want, I want to date that person. You know what? I take everything back. No, I think this I, is a real, I think your, your, your feet are being pointed in the direction of a dude who is maybe a little older than you that you might have to crack a few jokes about it to feel yeah. comfortable. And your friends are all going to be fine with it. Oh. And it's going to be good for you. I have to tell you, okay. 
okay, so I've got all these. I've got to make sure I track all this stuff and land. Okay, so oh, so when I watched Salman Louise, there's a scene with Brad Pitt, and, and I was like, holy shit, this is working for me. All my thoughts about being attracted to actors and nubile doing men went out the window. And there's some young guy that I know who looks like Brad Pitt does in Thelma and Louise. And all of a sudden, I wanted to like reach out to him and text him. He's like 26 years old. Because, and, uh, <laughs> he would and, have been I'm so all, happy. I should have done that. But my thing was, so either either a 26-year-old would never give a fuck about me putting myself out online or whatever. They no, because they about, were raised that way. Because they don't give a fuck. Nothing yeah. matters to them. And then you get this older mentality with men who are confused and threatened and, and feel like it's bizarre to be dating a person, whether it's you or me, who puts themselves out there so so intensely. So it's weird that you get these kind of different mindsets where mm-hmm. it's like a younger generation or badass, they don't give a fuck. And I, I need so I need like a younger man's I don't give a fuck elevated kind of like artist mentality. But he needs maybe to be like maybe person. 45. Maybe 45. Or, I'm attracted to 60 year olds Maybe now. he's 60. Maybe he's... But that's too old. I mean, look, Jeff Goldblum fucks this, the whole curve I off. love him Latter-day so Jeff. much. Also, like, oh, also married. like Anthony Bourdain now. Oh, Anthony! It's a problem. Mother, I was it's just... It's a problem I can't believe me. you said that. I was it's just... Problematic. And he's just now divorced. I know. But I would also date his ex-wife, who I you, think is babe, not into chicks, but I'm bangs. like... No, yeah, she's Karen so Banks. hot, and she's like a, a martial arts actor. Like any, like you take either this. one of them. Like it's like, look, either if if anyone knows Octavia or Anthony, just feel free to like reach out to them oh and just God. say, listen to this podcast episode. He's too much about Instagram, though. He's on his Insta stories. He's like living his life. He, you can tell he doesn't want to be tied down. He's so new mentality in an older body. No, and the way she supple, and awesome. the way she talked about their divorce, I really appreciated. What, why? What happened? Well, the way they both talked about oh my God, it. We got to get but you out of here. Talk, I know. Okay. But the way that she, um, the way she talked about it, even before like they got divorced, was one thing that she said in an interview was like, Tell me one time she woke up and she was almost screamed. There was a man in her bed and she realized it was her husband. Oh, because he was always gone. Yeah, and she didn't want that. On the road. And he didn't want that. And so it's the way that they presented it to the world, and obviously it's oh different God. personally and privately. I deeply appreciate. When a couple, against all odds, against a world that wants you to talk shit, just goes, it didn't work out, and here's why, and we're still of a family, and we're great. It's kind of like, on another tip, Tiny Baby Chance the Rapper talking about his sort of on-again, off-again relationship with his 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 one-time fiance and his the mother of Kinsley, their baby who's perfect. Kinsley. Who, he has Kinsley a lot, and they'll have Kinsley together a lot. And they, um, he'll put on Instagram stories. If you need Prozac, like my Prozac now is when he puts up a Kinsley thing and it's like her dancing, his toddler and him like rap, like singing along or rapping or her just trying on. The other day she tried on a vest and then tried to take it off and she couldn't. And it was the lift to my morning I needed. It was like coffee. Oh my God. But like one thing that he consistently will say in public and he's such a young man and so newly famous and I appreciate this and I hope that he is continually supported is that he'll say no matter what we are, we're family. And that is something that I see with when I see that, uh, I, I respect that so much. Yeah. And I see that when I see that with with non-famous divorced people who are like, look, we have to fucking deal with each other. We don't always like each other, but we love our kids. So we're going to work on this. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Can we get back to having sex with Anthony Bourdain, though? Yeah, because no, I we should. We really should. Because <laughs> I have such a crush on him. And He's so handsome. He's also tall. You should date him. Eric Bogosian. How do you say his name? Bogosian. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That guy is great. He's married. Brian Koppelman, have you heard his podcast, The Moment? Oh, we follow each other on he Twitter. He follows me on Twitter, and he's married, and his wife has been on his podcast, and like, no disrespect to their marriage and all, but I'm going to say Brian Koppelman 
is crush worthy. I need to look at pictures. Oh, of him. he is incredible. <laughs> but I, I think that I he's, think... he's in a loving, loving uh, marriage. So respect to that. But he should know. Yeah, he's, we're not he's being a, like a dream boat. I'm not, we're not, we're shit, not trying to break horse. up a marriage. We're not garbage horse. You know, Kristen <laughs> Bell said a thing. She went on Ellen's show and she talked about her lazy boy with mm-hmm. Dak Shepard, and it's caused a lot of issues. I just wanted to check in with everyone emotionally because he put the lazy boy in a fucked up place and she didn't like it. But there is this guy and she was talking about crushes and she talked about she had this crush on this like 60 Minutes reporter or something and how and she interviewed him and and she's telling Ellen about how he leans on stuff and he's really cute and all this stuff who's much older and she's like but his wife said to him he said he told her he told Kristen Bell that when he left the house his wife said listen you are nobody's hall pass and Kristen Bell was like she knows what she has she knows she has a good dude wait what do you mean like some couples will have a hall pass they'll go if this celebrity was interested um, you have a hall pass to go fuck that person. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so I think she and Dax had like joked that that was like a hall pass, but not really, of course. And so she talked about that in a really funny way. And and I I think that like what we're talking about, all these these like different people is kind of what we're talking about is our concept of what a good dude is. So it's not even specifically these people, except for Anthony Bourdain. Oh my god! But like, that would just be fun sex, like a, a hotel room for a weekend. I bet he wouldn't want to cook ever. That's the thing. That's I, if fine. I was him, I'd be like, I'm not cooking. I'm not cooking. We'd order I don't in. give a shit. Yeah. Like, I have been through some stuff, and we're just going to order in. I yeah. Don't, I don't even like wine, but I'd say, like, let's send up three bottles of wine and just get wasted and just have sex nonstop in a hotel room. <laughs> oh, my God. I want that for you if it's right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that what we're talking about are, like, talking about dudes who we find attractive in these various different ways um, and uh, that, like... Yeah, we're like, how, how do we Well, no, but no, but I think that it it, ta- it speaks to what it really is about is like what we're interested in. Yeah. And so I think what we're both talking about is like a guy who's on top of his shit. Um, I haven't like looked at photos of Brian, but I trust that he's very cute. But um, he's very funny on Twitter, very smart person. You got to listen to his podcast. It's great. I should, yeah, I should listen to it. It's all about it. writing. It's very inspiring. Oh, oh, oh Tony Gilroy. Have you seen him? No. I'm oh, God. Him Look right him up. Now. He's, he's, oh, God. Anyway, sorry. I'm just rambling. But I, listen, I podcast and I'm a fan of podcasts. Okay. So, no, so me sue me. All right. Take it. me away. I mean, I, I don't be- podcast right now, but I am a fan of podcasts for yeah. sure. But it is that kind of thing where we're talking about people who all have succeeded and who have been loved and who have loved. Yeah. So, a lot of times, it's not that we're predatory, want to hit on a married guy or something. Is it, we're like, that's, that's what I want. That's cool. And like that, the lady you're with, I always think the woman is, I, anytime I see a very impressive man, um, I'm always like, whoever that wife is, is a, is powerful. Yeah. And like, bet like that's all, a lot of times there've been times at parties sometimes. No, just cause I'm like somehow I, I always, there, there've been times, like I love dudes. They're great. Um, but I, sometimes at parties I will, if there's like some guy who's like the guy who is getting a lot of attention cause he's famous or he's rich or whatever. And then there's a woman who's like quieter. Or she's not getting, I, like, I always want to talk to her. Oh really? Yeah. I'm always like, I always, I'm always like, let's go sit down. Like, what's your deal? What's going on? Because that person's story doesn't get told. And that person's always so interesting. You to mean me. the, the quiet partner of the person getting all the attention? And that's, it's probably true for the guys too. I don't know. No, it's more true for women. Yeah. The woman who some people just treat as an accessory, like, like her job is to, yeah, you know, in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, where he has to hold her handbag because oh, she's yeah. going a lot of times the woman is the one who's just an ornament. Or you see interviews where these, there's be a celebrity guy and a woman who's not an on camera person and they'll just ignore her. It's like she's not even there. And yeah. I'm always like, and I, I think it's from coming up in stand up. I would see that all the time with stand ups with their girlfriends. And that's always who I wanted to talk to was like the girlfriend. I was like, yeah. this, but this is a living, fascinating human being. Now I'm going to look up Tony Gilroy. Tony Gilroy has these beautiful, like? piercing blue eyes. 
His brother is, I think, Dan Gilroy, and he made Nightcrawler. So there's Tony Gilroy, Dan Gilroy, and then their other brother is an editor who edited Nightcrawler. And I only know all of this, and I watched Nightcrawler. Oh, he was born. Um, he was Look born a month eyes. before my mom. Look at his beautiful piercing voice. But all these people are married. Born Legacy 2012. Um, Sydney, oh, Australia. Guy? Here's one of my main problems. I think so. Oh, oh yeah, he's sixty. He's 60. See, I'm only down for 60 year Woke, modern, yeah. 60-year-old men are who I have a thing for nowadays. My main... They're, they annoying, will very much have a thing They're for all married, you. though, and I'm not a, a homewrecker, but uh, it's not my vibe. It's a, it's a turnoff for me, actually. But uh, yeah, so very young or you know way old. I, feel, I can't feel guilty during sex. It's I just not hot for me. Yeah, it's just not, it's, yeah, not hot for you either. That's weird. But uh, Oh, here... Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, I think the major bummer of my my last thing ending, and then this is, again, I'm going to be very vague. Sure. Is that, like, I have the ability to know that, like, if you try somebody, if you try a relationship on for size and it doesn't work out and you clash, then you just end it and it's okay. And it can be graceful and kind. It doesn't have to be mean-spirited. And I felt like it ended up being so mean-spirited, and that's what breaks my heart. Like, I feel like... Uh, and that's really hard. Like, I just wanted to have it end, like, nicely and with a jokey thing. Like, we tried. It's, it didn't work out. Oh, awkward, whatever. But, like, oh, I wish you well and have it be nice. But this thing just ended so mean and... Or not just angry, with angry vibes, and I didn't want it. I don't want... Anyway, that, that's what breaks my heart. Anyway, blah, no, blah, it is, blah, the, blah, the, the The dark aspect of the ending is I've the hard part. But the thing is... There's a room. There's there's room in this world for you, and there's enough time for you to come to peace with it. You don't need to make friends with them again or make up. But you may find a reconciliation. I mean, I was in a long term relationship for somebody. He's on like and, listening. On He's off. like, I don't think so, Sarah. <laughs> and I'm like, no. <laughs> I was in an, a long term relationship with somebody on and off for God from for a long time for about six years, and I, you know, I left in 2015, and it was very still close, and then on, you know, it was very kind of nebulous and weird, and. Um, it really took until like, it took, it took about a year and it took over a year where I feel like I'm in a good place with it now. And yeah. I, I think he's in a good place with it. We've both moved on and dated other people, but where between us, I think that, and I would never talk out of turn about him. I respect him. I love him still. Um, not in like a, I want to be with you way cause we don't work that way, but anymore we did once upon a time. We don't, we grew out of that. Yeah. But, um, and I, I was angry. I was really angry. But it has evolved and changed. And, you know, it can it can get better. I also have a boyfriend who I was with for a couple of years. And then we didn't talk for like two or three years. And now we have a very nice, respectful distance. Yeah. We share an agent. Um, we do. have a very nice, respectful distance. And like we both really still care about each other. I don't know the details of his day to day, vice versa. Yeah. I know he's with somebody who he loves who sounds fucking awesome. And but like. It's, you know, coming to that piece is awesome. It doesn't happen all the time. You shouldn't strive for it. But, like, if it's meant to happen, it'll happen. Have you been judged by guys that you've dated about, like, your sexuality and all this stuff? In general, like, when, when you go on dates and when people look you up on the internet, are they like, holy shit, I had no idea. Well, because I haven't done the internet dating in a while. Not thing. internet dating. I've when you done, meet a person, no, no, they but, Google but, you. But what I mean is that I've mostly dated people. I've mostly, I've taken friendships and next leveled friendships. Oh, That's I want to do done. that. You should. Steve Bazalone. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I think it's a great okay. idea. But I've, like, next leveled it up. I've moved it up. And so they already know. Oh, now. Better. Now that I'm on a, an app, now I'm like with these guys because they, you know, guys like slam you with 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 stuff when they you, you put up a pretty picture and you're new on the on the app. Yeah. 
I've had to pretty early on say my full name and talk about like and say like what I've done and and I just let them. I figure they should go and Google it and if they if they can't handle it then I don't want to be around them. Yeah, you know, they're not the person for me. Either they're weak and dumb and lame, or that I hit a button in them that doesn't feel good and I don't want to hit not feel good button. So it's not about me; it's about them. So the moral of the story is. Anthony Bourdain, if you're listening, he should date. We want to have a threesome. Here's no fully. I've only had one threesome, and I it was I, very too. nice. I didn't like it. Was it. Very, I was like, I was kind of like, I felt very helpful. Like I was cleaning up after a party, kind of. I was two guys. Like, oh no, 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 no. There was not two guys. It was not like an Eiffel two. Tower. No, I've only had one. I said I felt like I was just being helpful. Like I was cleaning up after a party. But what does that mean? Just like I was just kind of assisting. I wasn't the star of the show. Two women. No, no, it was a guy and a girl. Um, and so I was just kind of like, ah, I think those, what I think is that they, they really cared about each other, but you're like, Hey guys. And I was kind of like, "Eh, Oh, you want me to do this? All right. This seems fine. Like I'm making weird decisions at this point in my life. This was many years ago. And, um, but like, yeah, I think that, um, Oh, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah. So Anthony Bourdain, this is the thing. I think you guys are meant to like date for a while. And I would feel weird because not because I wouldn't want to have sex with both of you. I fully would. But like, I think you guys are meant to date for a while. And then like, you're ultimately meant to marry someone <laughs> who is maybe not him. Should I add him on this Twitter on, when I post this on Twitter? No. It's a he little needs too to, intense. He needs to find it him. organically. You're right. Yeah. He needs to find it organically through yeah. other people tweeting it at him. That's true. Not that we yeah. would ask people to yeah, do Yeah, you guys, that. we're not asking you to do that, but like, <laughs> do it. Um, he did. I will say he did a wonderful interview with uh, my editor at Eater.com, Helen Rosner. It's a site I've contributed to. Uh, she interviewed him uh, post-election. That is a wonderful. It's seriously all the, you know, sexualizing him aside. It is a wonderful interview. I was very appreciative of it. He's such a smart, plain spoken person. And it really was great to talk about, to learn more about like his philosophy with the show food and culture and meeting people and i really it's eater.com yeah um e-a-t-e-r.com and helen interviewed him and did a, a really fantastic job with it so i really do recommend that um and with that note, i don't know you gotta get out of here though we gotta get you do yeah you gotta you got a life you got a, a whirlwind of a life i gotta make some men weep and weep. question the na- the tenets of our relationship and knocked off like you know it's like why not make it a hat trick oh my, <laughs> I, I didn't even get to ask you about how what, <laughs> so wait, wait, what's next what, what can we expect oh, when people are looking um, for out for you and whatever and they want more they've fallen in love with you in this podcast they're oh, like we already loved so. her and now we fucking even love her even more I'll be in Utah State in April and I'll be at, in Iowa in September but I, I don't do that many perf- like dates of performance stuff but I um, oh um, you can get the audiobook for DC Trip um, you can get that on Line. You can get the audiobook of Agora Fabulous. And, um, you know, it's kind of, it's actually exciting to say that I don't have anything to promote right now because I still have to write a book. Yeah. Like it feels really cool to actually, right now, after this, since 2012, like there's been so many books and so much stuff, and I feel very grateful for it. But like right now, oh, uh, I'll be in an episode about fad diets of um, Bill Nye Saves the World. It's on April 21st. It drops on Netflix. And then I'm on, you can see me, uh, if they don't cut it out, in, in, for three seconds sometime this year in Hampton DeVille, where I was just talking to Jake, Jake Wiseman. Uh, I'm in this scene with in Just a Bra. And I was like, do I look great in my bra? Because somebody who saw it said that it was funny. Um, Sean Perlman. And he was oh, like, Sean Perlman. Great. And I was like, he, Jake was like, yeah, we actually have to blur your nipples out. And I was like, all right. So I don't know if I'm going to say. Oh my it was God. like a sheer bra from Jeanette Bras. That's I love Jeanette sexy. Goldstein. Hello. I need some good lingerie. I need new lingerie. It's a Jeanette Bras. Me and Anthony. So, so Jeanette Bras usually does big bras, like the alphabet starts at D, but oh. she is doing a 
for the light, the more lightly bosomed, oh, Jesus. streamlined woman she's been doing. So look it up on, I can also ask her. She does some, carries the most amazing stuff. It's beautiful. But I love prima donna lingerie. I love empreinte, I think is how it's pronounced, lingerie. Like, yeah, you need some for Anthony Bourdain. I do. Who, um, we, who we won't tweet this out, but he's going to find out But if out like other people it. want to tweet, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, is what happens he's is like, what happens. He's like, going to find Oh, how long did it take you to write your screenplay or to write the um, script version of your book? Like how long? It took, gosh, you know, it took maybe like to get the first draft done. I'm trying to think if it took like six months or less or more. Or, I don't know. It's been a process that's been ongoing. Um, I, I needed to do a rewrite after... Um, the election because there's a president character in it. It's not the president, named president, but there's a character in it um, who in the book was very Obama-like and in the first two iterations was very Hillary Clinton-like. And uh, then we had to deal with like, well, you know, if you read the book, there is an appearance by the president who's very benevolent. And that's not our reality anymore. That's not the deal. So I was like, we, we all talked about, I talked about it with my producers a lot to figure out like, what do we do? And so we, we figured, well, we like lean into it and we're angry and we write, you know, I write something that is real, but so we'll see. Um, I don't know, but so it's, it's been an ongoing process, but I think we're close to the end. Six months was the first draft potentially. And then how how many rewrites, how many drafts? So I went, Uh, I was, I was, yeah, I was contracted for first draft, second draft, and then an optional rewrite or an optional polish, excuse me. And, um, yeah, they hired me for the polish, which is great because that's not like guaranteed. That's rare, yeah. Um, so I felt great that you had to polish that. And, 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 you know, with any screenplay, a lot of times it, you know, goes through punch up, it goes through like all different things. They bring in different people. So I, I don't really, one, my one quality that is probably valuable as a writer is that I don't have a big ego about my writing, which is that I like it. Um, I believe in it, but I also can get the fuck out of the way. And I think that's why I've been able to adapt. I adapted with Diablo for, um, when you brought up Diablo earlier. DC trip? Uh, Agora Fabulous. My first one, I adapted it as a pilot um, for a couple of networks. And now the option is available. Oh, yeah? (laughs) It's available. How did she come into the mix? She was one of part of this team that that worked together um, as producers. And, you know, we pitched it. We sold it to a couple places. But but how did she find you? You guys already knew each other? She read it? Or how did she find you? I don't know if my agent gave it to her or what. It was funny. I told her this, and this is the absolute truth. When somebody asked me, I never thought I was going to write for TV or film. I never had the aspiration to I always wanted to write books and um somebody said to me my agent or somebody said to me what would happen with Agora Fabulous if it were TV or film what would you want and I was like I would love it if Diablo Cody wanted to make it into a film I love her yeah she's amazing a wonderful person I love you too let's let's be real friends and hang out this is a great introduction we have a record of our origin I know But, but so she so she found it. <laughs> Wait, can I just say? Okay, so yes, she somebody passed it on to her and she liked it, and then we kind of made this marriage with Red Hour, and it was like a different. It was it was neat. I got I got to go to TV writing school on the job. I felt like which was cool. Um, but can I just say this reminds me of so my friend um, Judd was on the first. He was on no, he was on season three of the Real World, and um, the San Francisco season, and and I was I said one time I just just my online buddy and I was like talking about something and, and he was like well we me and pam his wife who's from the that season he's like we the moment we met is on camera oh, which wow. is isn't that crazy oh yeah it's on camera of like when they bring them into the house like who's here in the house it's oh, puck my... that sucks i love that <laughs> yeah and then it was pam and and Judd. yeah and they still she's a they don't do a lot of press but he's a he, now he is a best-selling 
um, comic book writer and cartoonist whose books are carried in this very place in Meltdown. And that's like us now. We have a record of our first introduction. And, and But the weird thing is I've had dates where I've met guys on Raya and then they've been like, oh, I'll be on your podcast. I've been like, oh, you should do my podcast at some point. And they're like, and then we decide to have a first date mm-hmm. on the podcast. And usually it's crazy awkward. Like, well, like we're like, it'll, it'll be so funny. Our first date recorded on the podcast. And then it's just so weird or I can't run it because it's like too bizarre or they're like trying too hard because it's a first date and they reveal. There's, yeah, yeah there's, so there are a lot of like first dates that I, on this podcast oh from the Raya dating We need to talk about Raya anymore. because I applied uh, for Raya and was waitlisted, which is their nice rejection. Are you serious? This was like a year ago. And yeah, I need to like, I need to like get a project done so that I can get, no, <laughs> they really went, cut down on some stuff because honestly, it's since a cesspool. Being on, since being on OkCupid, I've had like a few, in like 24 hours, I've had a few people be like, hey, I heard you on a podcast and somebody was like, oh, I read this essay say you wrote which i appreciate yeah but it's weird i'm not like and on okay why, cupid yeah and that's why it's fomus no some people i've been very cool and we just have friends in common and shit. it's not most of them but there have been a few who like immediately like recognize me from twitter and it's weird that's a weird <sighs> feeling that's what I, okay so more dinner parties people need to start throwing highbrow dinner parties i'm reading candace bergen's autobiography <gasps> have you read this no oh my god I think did she called... meet louis mall at a dinner party yes yes <sighs> yes she met him three times and was seated next to him because one of her girlfriends was like he's your guy i know he's your guy she's like no 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 they, they were seated next to each other at various dinner parties and totally awkward they did not hit it off and then finally they went out to lunch one day on a like just at a third attempt for whatever reason, and they fell madly in love. You got to read this book. It's she was crazy. Like, My dad was a, a puppeteer, and he was like, "I'm French. I direct things, and we're both very hot." It's crazy. So cool. No, listen, to that, and I was weeping because he gets sick in the thing. But it, but it actually tweeted something about that. Not to speak in tweets, but I was like, listening to the how they met makes me just want. All my friends to start throwing dinner parties. We need to start having dinner parties. I'm serious. We need to take us, ourselves out to the next we need level. To tell Steve Aslow needs to have a fucking dinner party. I'm serious. Okay, get the fuck out of here. You gotta go live your life. We've been <laughs> here for We're supposed to give you a hard out. You gotta go skedaddle. Uh, thank you so much, though. I've enjoyed every moment of it. Thank, thank you. you so much. I love you. I love that you came, and I, I, I would like to be real friends for Yeah, real. let's be real friends. It makes okay. sense. Well, we've just jinxed it, but uh, <laughs> I'm gonna hope for the best, goddammit. We, we won't try to date. Though that's the thing, it's a friendship yeah. thing. Is friendship, good. Uh, yeah. But the dating thing, and I've made friends through podcasts, through Twitter, through all kinds of things. But the dating thing, yeah, we can't date. You have to date Anthony Bourdain. You're right. Bye, bye. Now leaving nerdist.com. 